0: Welcome back to Hold Fast, where we have biblical truths for daily battles. My name is Kenny. I'm the host of the podcast, and I'm wondering if you've ever experienced this as we start today's episode. Somebody says something to you that they claim is from the Bible, and you think to yourself, I'm not sure that the Bible says that. I think we have a lot of statements like this in Christianity. I think that there are a lot of things that we say and we throw out there as if that's something that Scripture says when it's just not something that the Bible says, or sometimes it's it's something we say that, that says, Sounds a lot like something we see in the Bible, but it's not quite fully accurate. Or sometimes we say a verse that is from the Bible, but we're misusing it and we're abusing it. So those are the kind of things I want to deal with in this series of episodes that I'm going to be doing. And I'm going to call it The Bible Doesn't Say That and that's not an original title. With me, you've seen some sermon series like this sometimes. maybe um, You maybe even heard some of these statements talked about before and how it's not from the Bible. But I think it's, uh, it's a good thing for us to discuss because sometimes we can hear something so much that we don't even question it anymore, and we just think that it's true because everybody says it, and we've heard it our whole lives, and we don't really analyze whether or not this is actually a true biblical statement. And some of these, especially like today's statement, initially sounds right and it sounds good, and you think, well, of course that's true. True, but we've got to be a people who are by the book. We've got to be a people who always analyze things through the truth of God's word to make sure that this is not just something that we've made up. But we, we want to know, is this something that God actually says in his word? And what does God's word say about these subjects? So today's statement is this, and you may have heard this or some form of this before. God wants you to be happy. God just wants you to be happy. Um, sometimes it's, it's couched as God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Now I said, initially, that sounds great. Initially as Christians, we go, Well, God doesn't God doesn't want me to be miserable, right? God doesn't want me to, to not be happy, so how can this be a wrong statement? Let's analyze it. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about what happiness is. Let's talk about what God actually wants for us and for our lives. Let's talk about the plan that he has for our lives, right? We we quote Jeremiah 29 11 often that says, you know, I know the plans that I have for you plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And we go, that's God's plan for our lives. First and foremost, we need to recognize that that verse was given to specifically to the nation of Israel concerning their captivity in Babylon and that the fact that he was going to bring them out of captivity. I'm not saying that God does not love you and I'm not saying that God does not have a wonderful plan for your life, but I I want us to be careful in how we say this because when we communicate to somebody, God just wants you to be happy. We think, okay, what is it that makes me happy? And then we conclude, then God must want those things for me, right? Like tacos make me happy. So God must want me to have a lot of tacos, right? Um, Having a a nice big home would make me happy. So maybe God wants that for my life. Marrying this person would make me happy. Having this many kids would make me happy. So therefore God must want that for my life, right? we got to be careful with this. I hope you start to see the danger in that kind of thinking. God just wants me to be happy. Is that his ultimate desire for you? What does he really want for you? I think we get ideas like this, that God just wants you to be happy, from verses like Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. And we think, you know, God loves me and he he wants to give me the things that I'm asking for. And so surely he just wants me to be happy. But let's not just take two verses out of the scripture and form a whole theology around it. Let's also keep in mind verses like 1 John 5 that says this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the request that we've asked of him. So when Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you, What is assumed in that based on other biblical truths, based on other things that even Jesus himself said, is not just ask for anything you want and it will happen. We know that's not true because you have not gotten every single thing that you've ever prayed for, but we know that it's when we ask according to his will. He gives us the things that we're asking for, right? So we got to be careful with this this mentality that says, well, God just wants you to be happy, so just pray for the things you want. And then another dangerous theology comes out of that because people go to a pastor who told them that God just wants you to be happy, and so just ask him for what you want and pray in faith and he'll give it to you. They go back to the pastor and say, he didn't give it to me. And so then the pastor sometimes comes back with, well, it's because you didn't have enough faith And that's pretty destructive because Jesus said, faith the size of a mustard seed is enough to move mountains. The the problem is not that you don't have enough faith. The question is, do you have faith at all? Because it's not our faith that moves mountains. It's the object of our faith that moves mountains. So that's another tangent, maybe even another episode entirely, but that's a dangerous theology that comes out of that. When we tell somebody God just wants you to be happy and then they find themselves in their lives not happy, they wonder, well, maybe God doesn't really love me. Maybe, maybe God doesn't want me to be happy. Maybe he doesn't care about me. Maybe I'm not even his child. We see the danger that that can breed in somebody's life. So what does the Lord want for us? If we can't say ultimately that God just wants me to be happy, right? Um, Then what does the Lord want for us? There's a few things that we need to look at. John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus says to his disciples, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. There's a difference between joy and happiness because happiness is circumstantial and subjective. Happiness is often based on my preferences and what I would like to see happen in my life. And my happiness rises and falls. It's more of an emotion that rises and falls based on the circumstances of my life. There are days that I'm pretty happy and there's other days that I'm I'm not really that happy. But joy is something that transcends emotion. Joy is something that is deep-seated within us. Because the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 4, verse 4, and I'm going to preach on this text this coming Sunday, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. That's a command from Scripture. And Paul says, when he says, again, I will say rejoice, what what he's really saying in the Greek is, I'm going to keep saying this. I'm going to say this over and over and over again. And when you forget, I'm going to say it again. So if you came to the Apostle Paul and he said, how are you doing? And you say, I'm not really happy today. He would say rejoice anyway. Because joy... Then this thing that we rejoice in is something that's not based on our emotions. It's not based on our circumstances. Our joy is found in Christ. That's what Jesus says to his disciples in John 15. I want my joy to be in you so that your joy may be full. Your joy won't be full if you're pursuing your own happiness. Your joy will be full if you have the joy of Christ in you. That's what he wants for you. And so then we can go to verses like Psalm 37, 4 and better understand it. Psalm 37, four says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Boy, we love the second part of that verse, right? He'll give me the desires of my heart. I just gotta, just gotta love Jesus and he'll give me whatever I want. No, 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 no. What happens is as you delight yourself in the Lord, what are you doing? You are taking your desires and laying them aside to take up the desires of the Lord, right? That's what Jesus says in, in Luke chapter nine. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? What does it profit a man if if he gains the whole world but he loses his soul? What good is it that if you get all this happiness, all this worldly happiness in your life, all the things that you've ever wanted, what good is that if you find yourself uh, temporally happy and yet eternally lost? So delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart is God saying, when you delight yourself in me, you deny yourself, you give up your desires, your need and, and pursuit of happiness for a pursuit of me, then, then you're going you're gonna to find your desires change. You're no longer going to desire the things of this world that will fade away. You're no, no longer going to desire these things that don't have any eternal value. You're going to desire the things that I desire for you. And so I'm going to give you the desires of your heart at that point because you've delighted yourself in me. You're finding your joy in me. And when you do that, ultimately what God's saying is, I'm going to give you myself. Delight yourself in me and I'll give you myself. I'll give you, I'll give you my love, my grace. I'll pour out these things into your life and you'll have everything you've ever wanted. Even the things that you didn't think that you needed or wanted at one point in your life. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And then we have to also contend with scripture that tells us that God will often allow things into our lives that are really painful. So if we're telling somebody that God just wants you to be happy, then, I mean, if that's, if that's absolutely true, that, that all God really wants for you is just for you to be happy, then God's not going to allow anything in your life that would, that would hinder that happiness, would he? That emotion of happiness, that, that high of everything's just going really well. But Passages like 1 Peter 4, verses 12 through 13 fly in the face of that. Because Peter says, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. It's not going to be strange when trials come, Peter says, because you should actually expect trials to come. You should expect hard times to come. Jesus said you should expect persecution. You should expect that the world's going to hate you. I'm not happy when somebody hates me. I'm not happy when persecution and trials come my way. But I can have joy in that. I can have a joy that says, even though my emotions are not breeding happiness right now, I have a deep-seated joy and peace in the Lord, and I can choose to rejoice in the Lord for who He is, because even though my circumstances have changed, Jesus hasn't changed. And so Peter goes on, he says, don't think something strange is happening, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. When you to think about something with me, if all God really wants for his people is for them to just be happy, then what do we do with the story of Jesus? What do we do with the story of Jesus who for the most part was homeless? And I don't believe that that necessarily means that every single night he just slept outside. There were many people who helped him in his ministry and gave him places to rest and stay, but he didn't have a place to lay his head. That was his own. I mean, there was a time that his disciples needed to pay the temple tax and Jesus performed a miracle where Jesus was able to find a coin in a fish's mouth so that he could pay the temple tax, right? I mean, they didn't have a lot. And Jesus, and then and most of all, Jesus ultimately was crucified. He was he was tortured, brutal and beatle, brutally beaten, excuse me. I didn't know that was a tongue twister, but apparently he is. Brutally beaten and crucified. So if if all God really wants for you is just that you're happy, that's it. I mean, that that's shallow theology. You see what I'm saying here? I'm not, I'm not saying necessarily the opposite I'm of that. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that God wants you to be miserable. God wants something better for you than your happiness. He wants joy in you. He wants His joy to be in you. He wants the desire of your heart to ultimately be Him. That the things of this world would grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And that even when you suffer, even when trials come your way, you can rejoice because in that suffering you have a deeper fellowship with Christ. We know this to be true, many of us do in our lives, when we are, quote unquote, happy and things are going pretty well, we can tend to drift from the Lord. We can tend to kind of pull away because we start to get self-sufficient. We start to think, I've, I've got this. I know what I'm doing, you know, life's going pretty well, I don't need to pray as much as I did, and I mean, we can forget our need in those moments, and so it's in these trials and temptations and testings that the Lord actually draws us closer to Himself, and that's where we find true joy, right? Right? And so First Thessalonians 5.18 says we can give thanks in all circumstances. And then he says this, Paul writing, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The will of God for you is not ultimately, as we've been talking about, that you just be happy. The will of God for you is that you would give thanks in all circumstances. That no matter what's happening, even the things that don't make you happy, you give thanks to the Lord for who he is in all circumstances, that you don't forget what he's done for you. That even if life has hit rock bottom for you, you have the truth of the gospel that tells you that he gave up his own son for you. There is nothing that you ultimately need. There is nothing that is a good thing for you that he will withhold from you, but he freely gives himself to his people so you can give thanks in all circumstances. That's the will of God for you. And then there's one final passage that I want us to focus on in the last few minutes that I have here. Again, it comes from the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. This this statement of God just wants you to be happy plays into the larger conversation of what is God's will for my life, right? And so if it's not that he just wants me to be happy, what is God's will for my life? Well, we just saw, part of his will for your life is that you give thanks in all circumstances. But there's another statement in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 through 4 about God's will for your life says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. And specifically, Paul says that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. So yes, there's a specific thing here about sexual immorality that, that God's will for you is that you are sexually pure. And if there's anything that our world thinks will make us happy is that we can just fulfill whatever sexual desire we, we want in the moment, right? And that will make us happy. People are finding their identity in that, their happiness, their joy is grounded in that, their identity, their sexual identity, their, their ability to express themselves sexually. And Paul says, no, the will of God for you is that you would obey his sexual ethic, that you would actually follow his will for that. But more broadly speaking, because this episode isn't ultimately about sexual morality, more broadly speaking, the will of God for you is your sanctification. And what is sanctification? One of the best illustrations that you hear in many different places is sanctification is God's act of chiseling away the things in your life that don't look like Jesus. There were these guys years ago, I don't know if they're still around actually, they may be called the skit guys. And they had a whole skit called God's Chisel. And it was, you know, one character was, was sort of playing the role of, of God in this person's life. And he was chiseling away at him. And the guy who was being chiseled at by the Lord said, man, it hurts. What are you doing? And, and I'm butchering the lines a little bit. But the, the guy playing the character of God said, I'm, I'm taking away everything in your life that doesn't look like my son. That's, that's sanctification, right? Everything in my life that doesn't look like Jesus. Everything that I thought would make me happy, but ultimately it's going to lead to my destruction. Because Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a man, but at at least to death. Everything in my life that doesn't line up with God's will, even if I think it makes me happy, he's taking it away. That's his will for my life. That he would change my definition of happiness. So you can say God just wants you to be happy if you define happiness with the joy of the Lord and the will of God for your life. If you define happiness as I'll be happy when my life looks like Jesus, I'll be happy when my joy is full in Christ, then you can absolutely say God just wants me to be happy in that sense. But more often than not, what we mean is God wants me to be happy. He wants me to have the things that I think I need. He wants me to have the things that make my heart full. He might not. And, and those things that you think will make your heart full may actually not be sinful things. They, they may be fine. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong with having certain material possessions. There's nothing wrong with having certain relationships. There's nothing wrong with choosing certain career paths and, and, and taking this vacation and, and doing that thing. But that may not be ultimately what God wants for you. And that might make you happy in the moment, but it may not be God's will for you. And so what you need to learn to do is lay aside your idea of happiness and to take up the joy of Christ, to give thanks in all circumstances, to delight yourself in the Lord, lay aside yourself so that he can change your desires and give you himself, give you the desire of your heart, which should ultimately be himself. And that the will of God for you is your sanctification. What God wants for you is for you to be more like Christ. And Christ is is joy personified, if you will. Christ is joy himself. He wants you to be like Christ. He wants you to have the joy of Christ in you. So I'm not doing this series just to be nitpicky about theology because sometimes... It can come off that way when we do episodes like this because it's kind of like, oh, you're just trying to find something to talk about this week. But but this matters. The way we talk matters. The way that we think matters. So these phrases that we hear and even repeat ourselves, it matters because people can get the wrong idea about what God wants for them, and that's important. We need to speak accurately and truthfully about the Lord and what He wants for our lives. So I hope this series is going to be helpful. I'm not doing this so that you can call out your friend who uses this statement all the time, but I'm doing this so that you can think more biblically about these kinds of things and even if you don't struggle with saying these things yourself, I hope that it still is a challenge to you because we all need this challenge. We need this reminder that I'm not just seeking my own happiness. I need to lay aside my life and my preferences and turn my eyes on Jesus so that the things of this world, the things that I thought I wanted would grow dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's the challenge ultimately from this episode today. So, if you are challenged by that, encouraged by that, um, I, I would love it if you shared this episode with somebody, um, pass it on to somebody you think may need to hear this. And um, if the, one of the best things you can do is go in and give a rating or review wherever you're listening to the podcast. It helps other people discover it. And yes, there are people um, who are beginning to discover the podcast. I've gotten some emails from people that I don't know who are listening to the podcast. And so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for your support um, to this. So it would be a, a great encouragement to me if you take a minute just to do that. But as always, this has been another episode of Hold Fast. Lord willing, I'm going to continue this series next week. Uh, Let me just give you a quick uh, idea of what we're going to be talking about next week. We're going to talk about the phrase, God helps those who help themselves. Is that true? Is that biblical? What does the Bible have to say about that? God helps those who help themselves. So thanks for listening. And uh, Lord willing, I'll be back next week with another episode. God bless.